Welcome to another episode of Devils Talking Padres. Padres wrapped up their series against the Miami Marlins when I'll be returning home to face the Washington Nationals in San Diego. A little bit of a disappointing series for the Padres. Did drop two out of three of the first two games, but they'll have a happy flight home after a big 10 to three win. Dominic Stern with Bobby Murphy. Bobby, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Dominic. Excited for school to start tomorrow on Thursday. And uh, I mean, overall, just disappointing series. I mean, the first game against Alcantara, he's been the best pitcher in baseball this year. I wasn't too mad about that game. I mean, he has been the best pitcher in baseball all year. He totally shut down the Padres lineup, and I'm not surprised nor too disappointed. But the rest of the series, I know the Padres, the offense looked great on Wednesday, but that Tuesday game, I mean, the Padres really needed to take that in a close game and disappointing game where they came back and then lost the lead again. So overall disappointing series, but a good game on Wednesday to hopefully lead them to a three, to some momentum and take three out of four against the Nets. And when when you looked at it, I mean, you talked about them losing to Alcantara, and I mean that's just what everyone's done. The Padres beat Alcantara earlier in the season, and it's his worst start of the season. And it, you felt like maybe they could get something going against him, but he just was dominant. I mean, it's what he's been ever since that start against the Padres, and then facing a young rookie Edward Cabrera, who's been good. The Padres chased him, but couldn't do any damage. And then waited until the seventh, just got the one hit. It was the double by Manny Machado. And that was their entire offense for the first two games. So it's really good to see them score uh, in bunches, which is what they've done a lot with this new offense, which is fine. But you have games where you get shut out or you don't score a lot. So that'd be my one main thing is I think the Padres should try and, you know, get together some more rallies. And they definitely left a lot of uh, runners out there in that third and final game. They bases loaded a couple of times and couldn't score, but they're able to get across 10 runs. And I mean, you're really going to be, you know, picking at things if you're complaining about the team, but two and 14 with runners in scoring position is not good. That, that, that won't cut it in the playoffs when, you're not facing a bullpen that's not doing all that well. I mean, that that's the reality of it. And we kind of talked about it. These pitchers of the Potters faced uh, with being Alcantara, then Cabrera, and then Lopez, they're good pitchers. So you can say, all right, well, you know, they're good pitchers, but that's who the Potters are going to be facing if they get to the postseason. So they need to be better against these guys. They're good on Wednesday, but not good enough or not good, frankly, against Alcantara and Cabrera. Yeah, Dom, and Alcantara, of course, he has been good all year. Pa- Pablo Lopez, I mean, he's been solid this year, and the Padres did hit him pretty hard. And in that game on Wednesday, Mike Clevenger, who did not look good, four and a third, six hits, four walks. He wasn't looking that great, but the bullpen in that game looked amazing. I mean, five and four and two-thirds shutout. Morejon pitched great. Suarez, Martinez, Wilson, they all looked really good. Ten strikeouts in this game, only one from Clevenger. So absolute shutdown baseball from the bullpen. and just two for 14 with the runners in scoring position is very surprising for a team that scores 10 runs, but a lot of extra base hits for, for the Padres in this game. But yeah, the bullpen looked absolutely amazing. And with Clemson getting run support and then the bullpen just shutting down the Marlins, that was a huge win for the Padres to bounce back. And that's what it's all about. It's all about salvaging the opportunities that the Padres have and for them to look really good offensively in the third and foul game. It gives you some encouragement that they can fly home and hopefully destroy a really bad pitching staff in the Washington nationals because the gap at this point when we're recording is now a game and a half over the brewers. They're playing the Dodgers. So, I mean, 
Hopefully the Dodgers win that game and then they win also on Thursday against the Brewers. But that's that's what it's all about. But the pitching for this series, it wasn't all that great. Joe Musgrove didn't look great in game one. I was definitely struggling a little bit with his command. Manaya only went four. Clevenger couldn't finish his fifth inning. So especially when you consider the offenses or the offense that they were going up against, which was at this point in time, the worst offense in baseball. Uh, they came into the series with 15 straight games of not scoring four runs or more. Uh, and they got to that three mark every single time. And then once they got four uh, in game number two, after they got three against Benaya and then one against Garcia, the Potters pitching staff didn't have a good series. And you really got to hope that they can uh, shake it off and then return home and pitch a little bit better. What were your thoughts on the pitching? And for a lot of these, for all three of these guys, really, I mean, Musgrove's been pitching great baseball all year, still is a sub three ERA. And Mike Clemger, he's been very surprisingly good, as we talked about in the, in the last episode. But Manaya, he's been cooling off a little bit, but most of these guys I'm not going to worry about. I know it was a really poor Marlins lineup. And with the series, that's that's a tough thing. You're going against a really bad lineup and I'm not trying to make excuses for the series loss, but great game on Wednesday. Really bad game on Tuesday against the best pitcher in baseball. If they win that game on Tuesday against, again, a really good pitcher, but if they win that game on Tuesday, of course, that's a series win with a loss against Alcantara, which I'm not going to complain about too much, but just win that game on Tuesday, and then then we're all happy right now going into this four-game series against the Nats, but it could have been a just really one game on Tuesday changes the entire Padres' momentum for the next week. The offense, well, it didn't have a good series. There are some individuals who had good series. I mean, there was a couple of guys who got uh, on base multiple times in multiple games. Ha Sung Kim, like you mentioned, being one of the but Manny Machado is now on an eight-game multi-hit streak. So he's got two-plus hits in his last eight games. He's on an absolute tear right now, trying to weasel his way back into the MVP conversation. He's not going to be anywhere near the favorite because Paul Goldschmidt is far and away that right now. There's also Freddie Freeman and Austin Riley up near the top. But Machado, he, he's got the OPS north of 900. So does Juan Soto right now. So they're up in that conversation. But, I mean, Potters fans obviously appreciate Manny Machado, but what he's been doing has been widely underappreciated around baseball, especially considering the injury on his ankle he's battling. And with Fernando Tatis Jr., of course, not coming back for the rest of the season. And, of course, Soto will get on base at an absurd amount of times and just be the one of the best bats in this on this team of course but having Manny Machado heat up at this point where the clubhouse morale cannot be that high I mean of course they can keep winning like they have been all year without Fernando but after the news broke about him I mean a lot of the players of course were disappointed we heard a lot of their takes Clevenger had a great one and so with Musgrove but this is a great time for Machado to heat up of course with September just less than two weeks away but yeah, with Hassan Kim, I mean, he went two for three on Tuesday, three for four, three for four and wins this game with an RBI double and then a three-run double in the top of the ninth. So great last two games of this series from Kim after he went 0 for 4 on Monday. But yeah, Manny Machado's been heating up. Of course, Wednesday, the grand the first inning grand slam from Cronenworth to start off the game was, was awesome off of Lopez. But yeah, Wednesday's game, just great offensive explosion. And I would love to see the Padres keep that going this weekend. And I feel like it's all about those bats starting to get hot because you're going to trust the Juan Sotos and the Manny Machados. And I mean, theoretically, the bell, we'll talk about that. 
um, and the brain injury, the guys that the Potters have, you know, really invested in to do well. Jake Cronenworth is an all-star, but if Hassan Kim, who hasn't really hit all that well at the major league level, Trent Grisham, who's hitting the ball a lot better. If those guys, the catchers can really start to elevate their performances, the Padres lineup is going to elevate itself. And I already talked about it on my other Padres podcast, these Phillips times Padres podcast, but you talked about it briefly because uh, we didn't record before this past series against Miami. What were your thoughts on the suspension of Fernando Tatis Jr.? I mean, at first I was just thinking, I mean, of course, he is not using it to get better at the game of baseball, but it is still taking a banned substance, knowingly or not. But you're making 300 million plus. You should know what's going in your body. And all these comments everyone's making, Fernando Tatsu Sr., Fernando Tatsu Jr., it's just all getting worse. And I love how the players are holding him accountable, even though I don't know if he's trying to weasel his way out of it. All these comments that he and his family are making, his mom posting on Instagram. Just own up to it. You put something in your body that you shouldn't have unknowingly and he of course everyone knows this he should know what's going on in his body whatever the circumstance was whatever if he had ringworm or not or something about a haircut sounds like excuses at this point and it's just getting worse but i mean right before the suspension right before an hour before it broke i said i cannot wait to see a full season from fernando next year healthy and then the news comes out but so of course i'm disappointed in him i'm disappointed in his choices another bad choice by fernando Tachis jr the superstar one of the faces of baseball the rich man and could have been the heart and soul of this lineup when he comes when he came back because i know you're talking about you're doing it live with, with our with the, our editor james and you're talking about for 40 minutes fernando's coming back in a week this team's gonna get hot and then you guys see the live breaking news which i mean it's sad of course and it makes me mad but the the breaking news, your guys' live reaction was kind of funny to see. You were just speechless, and you were it was the same reaction of all Padres fans and MLB fans around the league. But, I mean, they're just going to miss him for the rest of, of course, the playoffs, the rest of this season. We'll have him for the run next year. The Padres will have him for the run next year. We'll miss him beginning of the season. But, I mean, I'm just heartbroken. I'm disappointed in him again. And it's just a insane bat in this lineup that the Padres could have had to make a push against Hopefully, of course, there's a wild card round first, but possibly the Dodgers in the second round. It was disappointing, disheartening, and just frustrating. And I mean, you saw the frustration with the Potters players that you alluded to. They're trying to hold him accountable. They're 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 over his his act, and it's time for him to grow up. He's 23. Everyone's like, well, you know, he's still young. But I mean, at East Village Times, one of our our writers wrote in our group chat when I was 23, I had a kid. Like, you know, at some point, like he needs to grow up now. Like the Potters gave him $340 million saying, Hey, we believe in you to be a big part of this franchise. Like you need to grow up. And I was really glad to see AJ Preller, who's been his right-hand man this entire time, uh, scouted him, wanted to sign him, couldn't do it, traded for him practically immediately. So to see him have those statements right after it happened was extremely powerful. And I really hope that it resonates with the Tatis Jr. family because, I mean, he kind of alluded to it uh, with his father making comments, his mother making comments. They need to stay out of this. This is his mess. And he needs to not necessarily clean it up, but just fix his act. 
that, that that's re- that's really all all it's, all that matters. He's going to talk to Preller and Seidler this upcoming week. I really hope he doesn't do any media stuff because he needs to not distract this team. So, uh, we'll we'll see. And you said he's talking to them in the next week. We don't record it on Wednesday. I believe on Thursdays when he's meeting with the team. So we'll see some quotes from there. We'll see something big. And I just wanted to see him own up to it. Say he made a mistake. He messed up. Could have ruined a World Series run for this Padres team. And I know they're, I don't want to say far from a World Series team. They're still in the playoff run. I've not checked the standings, but up to the two, up, last time I checked, they were up to the two, well, they're up to the number two wild card spot, but now at three. But with no Fernando in this lineup for the playoffs, that just really hurts their chances against whoever team they play, even in a first round wild card match. You know what? Actually, uh, with the Padres win today and the Phillies losing earlier today, they are up to the two spots. So you you were right. Uh, I I, fl- I threw up a three on our Zoom because that's what it was last night. But I forgot that the Phillies played earlier. So thank you for taking uh, the ball for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean that's that's my fault. Uh, so they're they're currently the two spot. Atlanta's losing, so hopefully they gain a game on them because that's the ideal spot the Padres want to be in is at four because they're not winning the division at this point. If they do, cool, but they're not going to. So. Uh, you, you want to aim for that four spot that way the Padres get to host playoff games. And then if they win that series, which you theoretically would have the best shot by hosting it, then you're guaranteed another playoff game in the division series against probably the Dodgers. So uh, we'll see. Uh, the Potters have to worry about making it to the playoffs first, which they have a one and a half game lead. Like I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, depending on the result of the Brewers game, uh, that'll impact that. And then also, I mean, the Giants are playing good baseball as of late. Uh, I'm going to pull up the standings, but I know they had a very uh, nice comeback win over the Diamondbacks in the ninth inning last night to pull within another game after the Padres lost. So the Padres, everything's in front of them. I mean, they're in the same spot they basically were in last year where all they have to do is go out and win games. You know, being that team that currently has the spot, they, you know, control their own destiny. I mean, that's something you hear more in football, but it's also the truth here for the Padres because they have the spot and they're more talented than the Brewers. They're more talented than the Giants, but if they don't handle their own business, then uh, they can't get it. So uh, Giants five games back, Milwaukee a game and a half back. Uh, The Padres need to go out there and handle their own business. Yeah, and this is a series where after losing this past series to the Marlins, Padres have to take at least three out of four here. I know it's asking for a lot for a four-game sweep, but a lot of these pitchers from the Nationals, the Padres could totally take. Patrick Corbin, off a contract, one of the worst pitchers in baseball, if not the worst pitcher in baseball this season. But a lot of the guys the Padres saw in the past week, and with Padres will have Darvish, Snell, Musgrove, and Manaya. Darvish has been – I mean, he did not have a great start against the Nationals since his last start, but he's been one of the best pitchers for the Padres this year. Snell's last five starts have been absolutely amazing. And then Musgrove and Manaya. hopefully we can see Manaya bounce back. Same with Musgrove, but Padres should definitely take three out of four in this series. And if they split it, I will be very disappointed. Well, I mean, I think the thing that's disappointing is the Padres ended up going just three and three on this past road trip, which, I mean, going out East, it's never easy as the West coast team. So you can't have like insanely high expectations, but when you're playing two bad teams, you really would have hoped that they could have, you know, gone four and two or five and one. Three and three is not the worst thing in the world when you have to go out east. But losing that game where they had the three nothing lead 
and they're facing Anibal Sanchez, who is not good anymore. That was a tough pill to swallow. And then we talked about it, losing Alcantara, losing a Cabrera. You can say, okay, fine. You know, if you're going to lose games, those are the ones you want to lose. But three and three on that road trip, not ideal. We talked about it. They wanted to go seven and three over this 10 game stretch, uh, six and four, and you're kind of disappointed. Well, if they sweep, they're seven and three. If they take three out of four, they they go six and four. So um, win the series and you win that 10 game stretch against the bad teams. And then, I mean, just looking a little bit ahead, we're not going to talk about it. You have five games against AL Central opponents, uh, two against Cleveland, uh, finishing up that little four-game series. Uh, the Potters played two games earlier this season in Cleveland, split those, and then they travel to Kansas City, and they get to play three games. Well, it's going to be the Eric Hosmer reunion, but he already had that when he was a member of the Red Sox after the trade deadline, so that was kind of funny. Um, but the four games against Washington, like you mentioned, Darvish, Snell, Moscova, Manaya versus Sanchez, Espino, Gray, and Corbin. They, they have the advantage in all four games again. Uh, definitely the smallest is on Saturday when Musgrove is facing Gray, who's their best pitcher. And then on Sunday, day game, Manaya, who's been the Padres' worst starting pitcher, is going to be facing Corbin, who is their worst starting pitcher. So we already talked about their lineups and their bullpen in the previous episode. Uh, so if you want to go listen to the details about that, obviously the numbers have changed, but uh, they got a couple of good bullpen arms. Their bats really aren't good. Uh, Luke Voigt is in the lineup. That's really the only notable major leaguer. And Aaron's not called up. Yes, he's back on the roster. So uh, the two Padres from the Soto trade that are playing are Abrams and Voigt. And I'm um, not sure, but I'm assuming Gore's still in the IL. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they just hold him down. Like, there's no reason to bring him back with his dead arm or whatever he's got. Uh, um, he's too important of their future now, uh, especially if they gave up Juan Soto. And their future is not now like the Padres was. So trying to balance that mix is not necessary. And like you said, for the series, I mean, got to win three out of four. Very winnable series at home against a very, very inferior team. The worst record in baseball, I believe, still. But Padres, both rotation, bullpen. I mean, yeah, bullpen as well, but mostly rotation and lineup. The Padres definitely have the advantage here. And coming back home after not being home since the Giants series where they won that, won that two to one in the games that you were at. But winning three or four here would be huge before they play the AL Central teams and definitely have the advantage. Snell has been, I mean, we talked about it a week or two ago. I mean, Snell just seems like a good clubhouse guy. Had some funny comments about him, but he's been just so good for the Padres over the last few starts. His last five starts, he's been absolutely insane. So I'm excited to see him on Friday night, but Padres should definitely win the series. And if they, for some reason, lose it, I just this will be not be a fun one on Sunday. No. And one more final note for me before we wrap this up is uh, Josh Bell got his first hit in six games in his last at-bat against the Marlins. So hopefully he can build off that against his former team uh, back home at Petco. You got anything else you want to add? Uh, just to get to be back talking Padres baseball and go Padres. Yes, sir. We thank you all for tuning into this episode of Devil's Talking Padres. Make sure to find Bobby and I on Twitter. You can find Bobby at Bobby Murphy 2000. You can find me at DM Stern 
19. Uh, make sure to follow and subscribe to Devil's Talking Padres on your preferred podcast platform. And we'll catch you with this next episode after the four game series against the Washington Nationals on Sunday.